Let us pray. Alleluia. Alleluia. We join the angels. We join all the saints to praise you on this day, O God. For you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. Give us what we need in this moment and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Apostle Paul and his missionary tag team of Sylvanus and Timothy, along with the church in Thessalonica, are in quite a predicament. It's not a pandemic, but there's a lot of pain. They were and are being persecuted for their Christian faith. At some point, all three of them were in Thessalonica, a cosmopolitan city with great religious diversity. Christianity was one option among many, but it's clear that some in the city became Christians through their ministry. However, at some point, these apostles were forced to leave the city. So in this letter to the Thessalonians, we learn that Timothy was sent back to Thessalonica and then returns to the other two with an encouraging report. And it's that report that leads to this letter. What's clear throughout this letter is that there is persecution for Paul and his team and for the Thessalonian church because of their Christian faith. They suffered they were shamefully mistreated. They experienced great opposition. And yet the church in Thessalonica continued to live out their faith and love and hope with courage, just like Paul and his team. The church, in spite of persecution, received the word with joy. Under such stressful circumstances, it's mind-boggling how this letter begins, as does most of Paul's letters, except Galatians. It begins with a cordial salutation, followed by a robust thanksgiving. Paul and his missionary team lead off their message to the church by giving thanks. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They lead off with thanksgiving and they lead with thanksgiving. They don't start with their concerns, though they surely have them. They don't begin with any complaints about their suffering or their worries about the future or anguish over civic injustice. They don't rant 
about the latest Facebook post on the upcoming election, their very first words as people of faith, as Christians, are a rhetoric of thanksgiving. They don't wait till the end of the battle to say thanks. They don't wait till after a meal to say thank you to the one who prepared the meal. Straight out of the literary gate, they get to gratitude. It's a priority. They privilege it, and so they place it up front in the letter. And it won't be the last time it's mentioned. They don't hide it under a bushel of other important and critical matters that need to be done and discussed. Thanksgiving is their top value as leaders. It is a matter that matters, giving thanks. Scientists are, are now saying and viewing Thanksgiving as critical to the well-being of individuals. Research is showing that there are benefits to expressing gratitude. It can lead to healthier, more satisfying lives, greater vitality and energy, a more generous, outward-focusing life of service. Some now even keep gratitude diaries or gratitude journals to cultivate this spirit of thanksgiving. There's even a website at gratefulness.org that aims to nurture gratitude in the lives of others, in your own life. People are now catching on to what this ancient Pauline letter embodied as a key value, thanksgiving. The biblical witness is full of expressions of thanksgiving if we are paying attention. It's an important part of what it means to embody a life of faith. Meister Johann Eckhart, a medieval German Dominican preacher and mystic, says something that's so striking and challenging and resonating with this ancient letter. He says, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, that will be enough. Thank you. We always give thanks to God for all of you. Thank you. There's something about gratitude that connects us to God, that reveals somehow that we know God and are in touch with God and know our place in God's world. The sea is so wide and our human boats are so small in the vast universe of God. We are like grass and the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God is forever. What else is appropriate for us to say but thank you, God? Thanksgiving, just as this letter shows, lifts us beyond ourselves and our situation and our needs and doesn't ask for anything. It just utters, thank you, God. We always give thanks 
to God. Thanksgiving centers on God and God as the object of our gratitude. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy say, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Thanksgiving draws us out of our self-interest and self-congratulatory sentiments toward the heart of God. And because of that, there's no surprise that all throughout this letter, the thanksgiving is to God, but for others. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. You received the word with joy. You became an example to all the believers. How can we thank God enough for you? They affirm God's presence while affirming God's people and their lives and their work amid a very tough situation. Thanksgiving is other-oriented to God for others. Theologian Lewis Smeads, who taught at Fuller Seminary for many years, teaches that gifts always come with a person attached. A gift, which is the reason for Thanksgiving, is, is more precious because a person is attached to it. He says, I don't understand how people can be thankful for a gift if they have no person to thank for giving it to them. We teach our children to say thank you to their grandmother for her birthday gift. Why should we not teach them to say thank you to God for the gift of their birth? Why should we not teach them that every new dawn of every morning, every drop of rain, every budding tulip, every blade of grass, Every lovely thought we think, every wonderful feeling we feel, every memory of pleasure past, every tingle of pleasure present, every touch of a loved one's finger, every hug from a laughing child, every note of a Mozart concerto, every coming home to our own place and people, every new hope that sees beyond a hard present, all of them are gifts with a person attached. For Paul and his team, the persons are God and the church in Thessalonica. Their thanksgiving, in the Greek from Eucharistia, literally their Eucharist, is rooted in a gift they receive from a person. On one level, you can say Thanksgiving gets us to God. But in another way, Thanksgiving demonstrates that God has already gotten to us. Let me explain. At the beginning of the letter, they say grace to you and peace. That's the greeting. And at the end of the letter, they say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace is stressed at the beginning and grace is stressed at the end of this letter. It bookends it. 
It frames, it grace has brought us safe this far and grace will lead us home. Grace in the Greek is the word charis, meaning gift, where we get words like charism or charismatic. The word for Thanksgiving, as I said already, is from eucharist, and that word has charis in it. It has grace in it. That means our Thanksgiving, our Eucharist, is an expression of experienced grace. Paul and his team give thanks during tough times because they understand grace. They've experienced the grace and know it's the grace of God that is the beginning and the end of their lives. Grace, as John Wesley teaches, is prevenient, coming before any human response from us. No human being is, is fully void of the grace of God. And it is this grace, this gift, that is the source of their thanksgiving, the source of our thanksgiving. It's built into the very nature of the word. It's built into the very nature of it, charis in Eucharist, grace in our thanksgiving, grace has brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. So we give thanks because of grace, because of charis, because of the gift of life from God. When we sit at a table for a meal, we will often say grace before we eat. That is, give thanks to God for provision and recognition of the grace given to us by God. We say grace because we see grace on the table. Materialize the grace in the form of drink and food like Eastern Carolina barbecue pulled pork and cheer wine. We say grace. We give thanks because we've received grace. And we recognize that all of life is grace. All of life is a gift, a charis. And so we thank God. Regardless of the circumstances we are enduring, there is always grace. There is always charis. There is always the gift of God because we live in a charismatic world, a world created by God, full of the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is never a wrong time to offer thanksgiving. The missionary team of Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy stress this near the end of the letter when they say rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Again, from Eucharistia, give thanks in all situations, during all kinds of suffering, amid all the pain of pandemics, offer a Eucharist, give thanks. This mode of thanksgiving is not a one-time event 
spoken over a meal or, or even one day that we celebrate in November. It is a way of being in the world before God in all circumstances. That means its length is long. As long as your life. Actually, in this letter, the formal thanksgiving begins in verse 2. And then in the, in the Greek, verses 2 to 5 form actually one whole sentence. And then verses 6 to 10 flow so naturally from the previous verses, making this formal thanksgiving that you heard actually conclude at verse 10. But then there's a, another section of thanksgiving in chapter 2 that begins with, we also constantly give thanks to God for this. And then in, in chapter 3, there's the brief word of thanks. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we feel before our God because of you? And so due to all of this, some believe the formal section of thanksgiving concludes in chapter 3. That's a long thanksgiving. This suggests to me that thanksgiving should be expansive. More than one word or sentence or moment in time, it should be a constant thread through our lives, just as it is in this letter, never ceasing, never truncated, never brief, always leading us. And long, as long as our whole life, through every circumstance, a posture that perseveres and presses through persecution and pandemics while singing, every day is a day of thanksgiving. God's been so good to me, every day God's blessing me. The truth is that this may be the farthest thing from your mind right now. But Paul and his team call us to implicitly offer thanksgiving in terrible times. To lead our own lives and others with thanksgiving. To make it a habit, a practice, a first step every day, your initial breath in and out when you wake up in the morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As many of you know, my father is a minister. He's known as a man of prayer. And sometimes um, his prayers when I was younger, seemed very long. <laughs> or should I say not too short? But prayers before meals sometimes felt like mini sermons. <laughs> and all you wanted to do was eat because you were hungry. But there's one day that stands out to me after all these years. I still remember it. My father had arrived home from work around dinner time. 
He came inside the house. He went upstairs to wash his hands in the bathroom before coming to eat. He eventually came downstairs and sat out, sat at the dinner table. And I was ready for a longish prayer in his preacherly voice. Dad closed his eyes and he opened his mouth. And we were ready for the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, some hymn quotes, some scripture recitation, some church history lessons, and comments about the latest current events, all tied together for one prayer over the food. Instead, when he prayed, all that he said was, thank you. And he began to eat. Now, I was shocked in that moment, but I have never forgotten those two simple words of grace, of Eucharist, offered up at the table in North Dade, Florida. Thank you. That was it. Sometimes, and perhaps many times, that's all we can say to God throughout the day, and that will be enough as Meister Eckhart encourages us. Thank you. I mean, the world seems to be on fire, literally. And we can't make sense of it all. But thank you. We don't know when there'll be a vaccine for the coronavirus. But thank you. There's so much uncertainty about future employment in this country and the economic fallout due to the pandemic. But thank you. There's so much racial injustice and tensions and divisions in this country. But thank you, God. I have enough breath to say thank you. So I thank you, God, for the breath in my body. Thank you, God, for the clothes on my back. Thank you, God, for the shelter over my head. Thank you, God, for the food on the table. Thank you, God, for letting me see another day. Thank you, God, for making me your beloved child. Thank you, God, for my baptism. Thank you, God, for the, the community of faith who's tuning in all over the world. Thank you, God, for surrounding me with loving family and friends, even virtually. Thank you, God, that I don't have to ever be alone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dad, for showing me that Thanksgiving can be simple, yet deep, deeply in tune with the Spirit of God, deeply in touch with the divine person attached to the gift of grace. Thanksgiving is a practice of trust in God through any and all predicaments of life. In this letter, it is to God for others. 
an experience and expression of grace extended outwardly to the persons attached to the gifts received. Give thanks to God for someone else this week. Pick up the phone and tell someone how much you appreciate them and why. Write a note thanking someone for encouraging you or helping you work through a problem or teaching you something new. This week, be sure to say thank you. Practice gratitude, for gratitude is a holy attitude toward the gift of life. Give thanks in all circumstances, including the ones in which we find ourselves even now. Lead your life with thanksgiving. You won't only be healthier, but your life will become one long sacrament, one long Eucharist for God. May it be so. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.